today. Hello? Oh, here we go. Um, today I'll be reading Ephesians 3.14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or seek to imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, through him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Benji. Before we move to that uh, powerful passage from Ephesians, I want to remind you and thank you at the same time, October is uh, set apart every year in our tradition to, uh, to express our appreciation to our staff. Uh, the Open Door class has already got a jump on that. They gave a wonderful gift to the staff this week and wonderful notes. But I would just encourage you throughout, <coughs> throughout this month of October to, uh, to express that to staff members as you see them and in, encourage them in the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me a minute. This is really a follow-up to uh, Morning Tide last month where we talked about stress in the life of Jesus. And we picked a specific day in Jesus' ministry and followed him through that. And the pattern that we saw was that Jesus withdrew to pray three or four times during the day away from the crowd, away from his disciples, to spend time alone with the Father. It's crucial to us to spend time in prayer, in stress. The other thing to take away from that message, and we're following it up with some thoughts this morning, is that Jesus not only understands the stress we are in, <coughs> excuse me, saying that he was, <coughs> it's going to be a problem, isn't it? <laughs> saying that he was, not only aware of our stress, but feels it deeply. Jesus knows how we feel. So with those two takeaways, let's come to Ephesians, that he knows how we feel, and in stress, he repeatedly withdrew to spend time with the Father. Paul has just written to the Ephesians just before the portion that Benji read. In him and through him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Come before the Lord with confidence is an amazing thing. And because of that, he then says, I kneel before the Father. We were reminded in Morning Tide this week that at one time, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But here we, we read that, 
they knelt. They bowed before the Lord in prayer. Kneeling wasn't their usual posture for prayer. Their usual posture was a standing posture. In fact, only five people in Scripture are said to have knelt when they prayed. Solomon in the Old Testament <coughs> and, in the <coughs> and in the New Testament, Stephen, Peter, and Paul, besides Jesus, were the ones that mentioned kneeling before the Father. But it's this humble positioning before God that we take when he says at the start of this passage, I kneel before the Father and pray that out of his glorious riches you may find his strength. And so we come facing stress. Everybody faces it. We have communal stress. We have individual stress. We have issues that come into our lives and we need to bring them before the Father. There are different causes but the same result. It affects us spiritually. It affects us emotionally. It affects us physically. And add to it, I've counseled people who have then felt extra stress because they feel guilty because as Christians they shouldn't be facing stress, which is based on a lie. The, the word Christian never shields us from the pressures of life. And others who worry because everybody else seems to have it all together and they keep falling apart. And that's kind of based on the reality that I see everybody else's exterior and only my interior. We all are falling apart. We all face stress. We all face those issues. And the more transparent we are, the more open we are, the more we can bear each other's burdens in the Lord. And so I want us to see in verse 16, not only do we all struggle, but he calls for all of us to have the power of the Spirit in our inner being, that we might know the fullness of his power and his love. So Paul's prayer is that we would have Christ dwelling within us. And the word there is a permanent dwelling. It's not just have Jesus come alongside of us for times of crisis. It's that he, by his Spirit, would dwell within us. He would take up residency and live within us. He says we are rooted and established in him. Not just come to me for a specific event, but that that power, together with all the Lord's people, underline that, write it down. This is all the saints together sense this. Sometimes stress we deal on, on our own. There's a wonderful passage in, uh, in Galatians chapter 6 where it says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then in seeming contradiction, three verses later, it says each one should carry his own load. Two different loads. The word referred to in the latter verse is a backpack. Everyone should carry his own weight. Everyone should carry his own backpack. But the word in verse 2 is a crushing weight. Those weights can only be borne together. We are in this together. We are family. We are community. And we bear stress. We bear conflict. We bear all kinds of things together in the Lord. Paul opens and closes his letter to the Romans with this idea of being established. He says in the first chapter, be strong. He closes with the idea of being established by the gospel, by the good news. So we read words like being made strong and established and rooted and built up. They're all terms for resiliency when we face these attacks from without and from within. The resurrection is the promise that nothing can defeat us when we dwell in Jesus Christ. His power is sufficient for us. His grace is sufficient for us, whatever we face. And Dr. Laird reminded us last Sunday, we can choose joy. In the midst of our story, we choose joy. 
And it's the joy in the midst of struggle that we read about in James. Count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because those trials build you up, strengthen you so you can become strong and mature and complete. And so I want us to look at this passage as to how it helps us face the stresses uh, of our lives. Stress is a technical term in physics. It measures the weight strain uh, on a material. There is a yield point and a failure point. Simple rubber bands. Flashbacks to my junior high and high school self as we would fold newspapers for paper routes. And you would stretch it, and it, they made the rubber bands just small enough that you had to stretch it to its complete strength to get it around the edge of the paper. And we had to figure how many times it got to the yield point, which makes the substance stronger, and at what point it gets to its failure point where it snaps. And my junior high self met that failure point over and over on a cold morning. And so the, the stress is, is always there. I thought better to illustrate in Dee's desk was a, a real rubber band. <laughs> for real issues of stress, and real strength when it's at its yield point, and real failure when it comes to its failure point. How do we keep in our lives at that yield point with stress and not move on to that failure point? We've been striving for that in the life of the church with the Wednesday night time of holding our hurt together with the wonderful lament prayer service that we had uh, together, with times of sharing and discussion and encouragement. But we need to be aware of how stress is caused in our lives. So if you put up that slide on these various categories, I want us to look at different ways. There was a study at University of Washington, uh, Drs. Holmes and Rahe, put together a, a list of 43 items that might cause stress in an individual. And they went everywhere from death of a spouse, a parent, a child, uh, a job change, moving, financial issues, uh, when children are born into the family, all kinds of things related to children and raising those children, when children leave, and the issue of loss, any kind of loss. All 43 things seem to have one thing in common. It was a change that came in our life. And we can be certain that change is going to occur all the time. But when we see multiple changes happening at once, we can gear ourselves up and seek help because we know that stress is going to follow those issues of change. The idea of conflict. It can be between ourselves and someone else. It can be between two others that we care about. We feel misunderstood. It becomes a physical reaction. Our pulse rate increases. Our tension rises. We may even have physical symptoms uh, of illness in the midst of that conflict. Criticism, when our self-worth is attacked. Stress <laughs> comes in trying to regain what we feel like we've lost. A couple of methods. I can either reject the criticism or I can attack the critic. Neither way is very successful <laughs> in that. And then there are the pressing concerns of life. And Jesus speaks to this quite often. The anxiety we carry about ourselves or others. In fact, when Jesus gave his parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, the one that's in healthy soil but thorns also grow up around it and choke it out, it said it is destroyed 
by the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. To recognize that those things can rob us of our spiritual health. And then there's a the frustration of even anticipated troubles. And Jesus spoke to that in his Sermon on the Mount when he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He encourages us to realize we live in the day and he is our strength in the midst of that day. And then finally, and you can probably add to this list with your own things, but the compression of life, the, the over-involvement that we sometimes experience. Too much to do, too little time. To where it seems we're just running on adrenaline all the time. So when we really come to a crisis, there's not another key for adrenaline to kick in and move on to meet the crisis. But we try to live at that level, and it cannot be sustained. So we live in a combination of these categories. We live uh, in, a, in a world that all the time can become overwhelming. How do we come to that verse in James where it says, count it pure joy when you face these times of trial? Not just how do we endure it, how do we get through it, how do we see God's purposes in it? I was really helped by a study by Hans Selye, uh, who formed what he called the Institute of Stress with a spiritual purpose, teaching good stress. Teaching what he said uh, where stress will tests the fiber of our character, teaches us to know and depend on the inner resources of the Holy Spirit and how we can't do it, but he alone working through us can accomplish the things that God wishes for us. So let's line up these categories with what the word teaches us about our sources against stress. Change. I can be prepared for change if I know I am held by the God whose love never changes, who loves me when I fail, who loves me when I succeed, who loves me when I praise him, who loves me when I grumble, who loves me all the time. It is his nature to love me. And that doesn't change. And so we find that love of God. In conflict, when Jesus dominates my life, I've died to selfishness. We've talked about this a lot. It's when the Holy Spirit takes over. Paul says, I no longer know where I end and he begins. I have died to Christ and yet I live. And so if that selfishness is gone, I'm free from having to be right all the time. I can live with the unresolved issues of life because my ultimate affirmation comes from Jesus, not from people. It strengthens us in the midst of it. Criticism, or when it tears at my self-worth, where does my self-worth come from? My self-worth comes because I'm a child of God and I'm hidden in Christ. And recognize that that's where my value comes. Paul wrote it to the Romans in chapter 8. What can others do to us? If God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter who stands against us if God is for us. And we are promised over and over, God is indeed for us. And so I'm free to learn then from the criticism without being destroyed by it. Dee preached a beautiful message last year on our, our blind spots. And he said, have someone you love come alongside of you and explain to you your blind spots. Because once we see what those blind spots are, then we are free to learn from constructive criticism from people who love us. 
and not always be in denial about things which we are blind to. That's why we call them blind spots. So it's just a, a brilliant way to show us that God can overcome these things in our lives. And let's stay in chapter 8 of Romans when we look about concerns. God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. doesn't just say he works all the easy things together for good. He works all things together for good if we're focused on him and have his best purposes aligning in our heart. And further down in chapter 8, he who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also along with Christ freely give us all things? God longs to just lavish his love upon us. We need to be open to receiving. And then the compression that we live with. We need to discover, I needed to discover the, the art of ordering my priorities to match God's priorities for me. And when I came to do that, this was my list, and you need to make your own list. <clears throat> the first was to spend time alone with God. And as a pastor throughout my career, it wasn't just spending time in the Word preparing for a message. It was to spend time alone with God for me. <clears throat> it's a matter of oneness with him. I needed to consecrate my life to serving people and not material things. I needed to set long and short-range goals for myself and refuse to overschedule. I <clears throat> wrote down a list of things that I could do to avoid stress. You know, it, the list was budget and punctuality and diet and exercise and proper rest and all those kinds of things. But it was more than that. <clears throat> it's not just slow down activities, but find joy and purpose in Christian service. Uh, trade in my compression for his compassion. And we already read on the screen earlier in the service the verse from Lamentations. His compassion is new every morning. It never fails. And we recognize that compassion in our lives. And then I had to remove the inner stress of unconfessed sin. Great definition of our fullness with the Spirit is the amount of time it takes to bring a revealed sin to the cross. And I learned if I delayed bringing that sin to Christ, it just broke me down. My heart was heavy within me. But as soon as I bring it to him, it's released. It's one more thing to remove that compression. In preparing for this morning, I, I reread my notes on Pastor G's sermon from Psalm 32 last year and that whole series, which was so marvelous. And it's this Psalm of David, where he's sensing the forgiveness of God. And I would urge you to read Psalm 32 sometime this afternoon or this week. He entitled the sermon, Forgiveness, the Road to the Best You. And during that series, God really spoke to me that I had to come to the point in my journey to thank God for the stress and what it revealed. I was going through a particularly stressful situation in my own family. And I found that his presence could release the pressure, that his presence could bring true forgiveness, that his presence could allow the freedom of the Spirit once again. We often quote Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God, but I love the New American Standard Bible. I think it's a little more accurate. It says, Cease striving. 
and know that I am God. The striving of our hearts. And yet we want to find God's peace. And so whether it's reading that Psalm of David and finding how he came to it, whether it's our making our own list and finding how we can arrive at this good stress of taking the truth of God and applying it to the situations of our lives. Let me read to you the way Paul wrote it to the Colossian church. Chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness to him, to recognize that he is our peace. Soren, if you'd put that prayer of John Whittier's up on the screen. Drop your still dews of quietness till all our stirrings cease. Take from our souls the stress, the strain and stress, and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of your peace. Can I allow God's peace to just wash over me? I would invite you to meditate as we come to communion about how God's peace can just fill us. Wesley spoke of being so filled with love that there's no room for anything else. And all those things that are contrary to God's love will just be washed out by that constant love. We're invited to the table. Pastor Matt is going to come and lead us in our communion this morning. So if you put up that scripture, this is Matthew chapter 11. I want us to meditate on that and what it means and how we manage the stress in our lives knowing that he is Lord. Peter said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And in matters of stress, it's not how big the stress is, but how long we hold it. Water came to my rescue, so it's not as heavy as it was when I came up here. If I hold this water while I'm giving this illustration, my arm's not going to be too sore. But if I tried to hold this water, this weight, for an hour in this position, I'd have a really bad shoulder. If I tried to hold it for two, three hours, you'd be taking me to the hospital. It's not a matter of how heavy the stress is. But God gives us freedom to set it down to find his rest. You can pick it up later if you must. I wouldn't recommend it. But rest. Find his rest. Find his peace. As we come to his table this morning, let's find that rest.